Talk Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, place to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 73 was recorded live June 30th, 2011. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. This is episode 73. Uh, some of the articles we have in the news this week, we have Patui, Scuba Donation, Almost Open Water, Young at Heart, and Still Married, and then one final thing, E Too Much. And this week I'd like to welcome our co-host, Claire. How are you doing today, Claire? Good morning. I'm very good. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, we have some nice weather here in the Midwest again, other than a little bit of thunderstorms going on, but... Uh, just before the show, I was outside and it was that hot, just summer weather that just says it's vacation. I shouldn't be working, even though I am. So, uh, great weather to be out and diving. Absolutely. Dramatic storms, though. Yeah, we, we have some nice light shows here late at night. We get that time of the year where the storms will come and go. So, if, thing, if the show interrupts for some reason, that's what it is. We'll, <laughs> we'll, hit, we'll hit the start back in and get right back online. But uh, hopefully we don't absolutely lose power every once in a while. You get one of those lightning strikes, it's a pole, and we could be out for a while. Not. <laughs> hopefully. But uh, the weather is just, uh, I just love the summer weather. Dramatic, isn't it? Really yeah, it is. Yeah, it's yeah, we. Well, I'm sure we're not getting the heat like you have. So uh, you know, I did take a photo today of the my car dash where it said the temperature was 103 Fahrenheit. All right. So that's that's, 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 hot. that's pretty hot, <laughs> but that's only in the in the pavement. Uh, once once you get moving in off the blacktop, it was probably about 75 to 80. So yeah. uh, not quite yeah. that that bad. That's probably quite a nice temperature. I mean, we we had we get a hot wind sometimes. We had one um, about two weeks ago, and if the wind comes from the west, it comes off straight off the desert, and it's it's like forty. It, we hit forty four degrees a few days ago. Yeah, about just over a week ago. That was hot. But it's it's well at the moment it's nighttime, so it's a comfortable twenty six, which is ooh yeah that's that's. That's not Quite, too bad at all. Yeah, 78. Really nice, chilled out. But that's the night. That's the middle of the night. So it'll, it'll warm up soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Now, now what is a, what's a, like a really hot day for you there? Once it, once it goes into the 40s, that's, that's when we start really feeling like things. I, I wrote a blog post on it because it just fascinates me. Things, anything metal starts to feel hot if you're outside. Yeah. Um, like it, on your wrist, your watch, if, even if you're in the shade, just the sheer heat, you know, makes your watch feel hot to touch. You go to lean on, um, say, a marble surface oh. that's outside and it'll be hot. You'll, you know, you too hot to touch, you know, things like that. Uh, at the moment, when we turn the, hot, the cold water tap on, you have to wait a few seconds because the water that first comes through <laughs> is too hot to put your hand under. And even when it does come through cooler, it's still warm. You almost don't need hot water this time of year. Yeah, yeah I, I, you, you probably make up for it. Now, do you have air conditioning? 
Yeah, I just had to switch it on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm, I'm not that acclimatised. Even after six years, we still need the aircon here. It's, it's, it's too much. Otherwise, you just get completely overheated. Yeah. Well, it's probably nice. Places. It's probably nice just to kind of come in and cool down occasionally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's nice out on the boat because you get a sea breeze. But if you do get that westerly wind, then even the sea breeze is hot. And everyone ends up coming inside into the saloon just to cool down, get out of the wind, which is Mm -hmm. quite bizarre. Well, we'll go ahead and head right on into the news. We have the first article up. We'll start, as we always Mm. do, with some of the rougher stories. We have Patui, uh, shark attack, <laughs> scuba diver. An American scuba diver was mauled in a shark attack off Rock Bay Coast near Durban on Tuesday. Uh, both his hands and legs were badly mauled. Pharmacists, I said pharmacists, paramedics stabilized a 22-year-old man before he was airlifted to the hospital in Durban, the man was diving for scientific research, was attacked just afternoon. No further details are available. And what I thought was interesting, why I even covered it, is if you look in the comment section, they say sardine run is on at the moment, uh, should stay out of the water, poor guy. So, uh, so, so I guess what's going on is you have the sardine run happening and, uh, you know, my, my pet theory with, Shark attacks is you only get sh- bitten if you look like food or you're in the middle of food. Yeah. Uh, I, know, I know some people out there with Save Our Seas at the moment filming Sardine Run. And I'm sure for the to get the right shot, you know, people go into the ball to get the shot of the shark coming out. But, of course, if you're in the ball, it's no mistaken identity. It's so easy to get mistakenly identified as food yes tragic really sad uh this next article is the Eunice family donate scuba gear this is from albany georgia uh, a <laughs> sad story actually in in january of this year uh well uh duck hunting uh the son of this family died uh, he he drowned so in his uh memory uh, to celebrate what would have been his 18th birthday, uh, they uh, have had a fundraiser and they've donated $149,000 in his memory uh, to the local uh, fire and rescue services to purchase scuba gear and equipment. They've even bought a boat. Uh, the, it's to help prevent this sort of tragedy from happening in the future. Uh, Tammy Eunice is grateful for the nation equipment to the city, but is sad that it had to come after the loss of her son. She says, to me, it will come full circle the first time someone is saved because of the equipment. I believe we're keeping James' name and legacy alive through this, and James will be so proud that his name is being used in a positive way. Yeah. I guess it's good to bring something, as you say, bring something positive out of such a tragedy. What a shame. It is. If they've now got the kit, then they'll be able to, if something like that happens again, at least they'll be able to search. Yes. Yes. Okay, and and then uh, what we'll do here is we've got Mac coming on, Just so we'll go ahead and bring him in. I I, I told you I said about ten minutes <laughs> in he'll he'll show up. <laughs> hey there, Mac. Hello, how are you doing? Doing good. Hi, Mac. This next one is uh, a lively American snorkeler. 
And I'm, I'm not sure why they chose that. Uh, it's actually two articles, but the first half of it is uh, uh, similar to the movie Open Water. Uh, and it says yesterday off the coast of Cairns. Uh, only this time there are no sharks. A lone American snorkeler on the Great Barrier Reef got left behind the boat. Uh, the boat's name was Passion of Paradise. It's 15 minutes of panic before being picked up by another boat led to hours of media fame. Uh, he was on uh, USA Today. He says, I was sucking water back into my snorkel and it was really hard to stay calm. Panic kicks in, your heart rate goes up, and you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, he was given a refund and a $200 voucher for his ordeal, but not everyone thinks it's such a big deal. Uh, one person commented, it's like being left at the beach. Colonel McKenzie of the Associated Marine Park Operations. <laughs> He's not a PR guy, I don't think. No, I think, I <laughs> I just... think it's slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the beach, you can just like walk up to the concession stand and pick up a lemonade. or uh, yeah, yeah, this is uh, not, not quite the... Uh, uh, a further comment from him was the fact this guy talked about the shows. He's just seeking self-exposure and wants to be tr- portrayed as a hero. You know, a survivor. Cole has asked the company for formal apology and a written amendment to safety procedures, which he says he has not received. So it's a little bit of denial, sounds like, on the uh, the boat operator. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, it's not like, it, I mean, of course, they, you know, they probably got attorneys telling them what they can and can't say. But if. All he wants is a formal apology and an, an amendment to the safety procedures. That doesn't sound like something that would be all that terribly difficult to come up with. And all they need to do is have a crew list and do a like do a roll call before they move the boat, if that was the case of what they what happened. Yeah, and, and I don't have a lot of experience on commercial dive boats. You know, the all the boats that we're on, it's, it's pretty much Buddy's boat, so... Yeah. You're not going to get left behind unless you really make somebody mad. Okay. <laughs> I think that would be slightly extreme to yeah. actually leave someone behind. <laughs> I mean, I can understand. I can see some of the times where you get these big boats with like 20, 30, 40 snorkelers and they just chuck them all in the water. And you can see they're inexperienced. They've all got life jackets on so they can barely get their faces in the water anyway. And you can tell that half of them can't swim. And that I... I Kind of think I can't imagine that being much fun for the snorkelers. Um, but certainly on our dive boats, we have uh, a dive roster, we have um, a crew list with everybody's name on it, and we don't leave a dive site until we know that everybody is back on the boat. And and the snorkelers, because there are boats are dive boats, and the snorkelers are sometimes a little bit extra. We have to be ultra careful to make sure that none of the snorkelers have hopped in without telling us, because they're not quite so savvy on the the boat fronts, and you know they haven't seen open water, for example, and stuff yeah. like that. But <laughs> <laughs> most divers have. Yeah. Well, one, um, one thing I've, sorry, I've wondered why nobody does is uh, if you ever see uh, like how miners operate you know where they've got like their the dog tags and a board you know we uh, go ahead we actually tried that we had that for a little while we had every diver had to take a tag and put it back on the board but what would happen was people would forget to take their tags go diving and if you just solely relied on what was on the board you'd look at it and think everyone was back on the boat and it'd be quite easy if someone, say, a buddy team had forgotten to take their tags. 
you'd um, it would appear as though they were on a boat. Ah. So it start it worked at first, but you really need to make sure that every single person definitely takes their tag, and that at the end of the dive they definitely return it to the board. And we found that because it was something that we brought in sort of later on in the day, um, it was it was just before I started working or just as I started working here, it, it wasn't a fail-safe procedure. I, I still find the best way is as each diver is coming back on the boat, I'm ticking them off and I'm saying, right, what's, what time, depth and air have you got? We log their dive. So I've physically seen the person, I've written it down that they've done this on their dive and that they're back on the boat. And obviously... Once they're back on the boat, they're not allowed back in unless they tell us, and it's a mooring dive. Ah, well, that that makes so, sense. I can yeah. understand it. You you have to you almost have to take the diver out of the equation, especially if you're mm. responsible for them, because uh, I'm sure you've, you probably tourists <laughs> they they <laughs> not always thinking the clearest. I'm sure. No. <laughs> I mean, the divers, as I said, normally are quite. They, they won't, we, we'll, we'll always have guided dives anyway, so you'll always have a guide taking the divers in the water. Um, so we don't have buddy teams just hopping in left now and then when they want, but it's, it's the snorkelers who can hop in as and when they want. And it's them that we really need to instill, you know, don't go in the water unless you let one of us know, not just the crew guys, but one of the dive guides know, so we can tick you on the roster to make sure that you're in the water. We know you're in the water. And I, I am quite a stickler for that after having watched, <laughs> as I was telling you earlier, as I've watched open water literally, I think, a couple of weeks after finishing my dive roster course. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd still be interested to see how far offshore he was. Sorry? Like to see how far offshore he was. That's true. I know. I know the barrier reef. If he's on the barrier reef, it is quite a distance offshore. So that would be really scary. It's about an hour and a half journey from shore to the dive site. So if it was there, that would have been really hairy. No. That the comment that Colonel McKenzie talked about, the guy that uh, the fact that this guy talked about all this shows he's seeking self-exposure. I don't think so. It's like if somebody left me in the middle of the ocean, I don't care if it was five minutes. If he yeah, didn't know yeah. I was gone and they left, that's a big yeah, deal. Yeah. You know? yeah, it is. Yeah. So I think that guy is totally wrong. And at the least, you'd want somebody else not to go through that. Makes sense to me, you know, that you'd want that apology and a, a written amendment like what you're talking about. That's the way to do it. Mm. Yeah, that's... You know, that's not good. And, and as you say, it's not like you can go and sit down in a chair all the time you're in the water. If you're not 100% comfortable in the water, you've, you've got the whole issue of how long can you swim. Right. You know, I know it, it's, it's harder to sink in the sea, but you know, here it's quite hard to sink, but still you can drown. And if you're not a strong swimmer or not that you know, comfortable with being in the water for a long periods of time, it would have been quite scary. And if you'd had a medical emergency or something incidental to that, you know, having the boat there is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's right to want some kind of apology and reassurance that it would never happen again. Well, it'll be interesting to see any follow-up on that one. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. So, but uh, not 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 the best publicity out there to to leave somebody. Not really. Yeah, I wonder if they get their money up front. I think they do. Actually, I've got it cuts down on repeat visits. <laughs> okay, the the next article is uh, young at heart couple takes the plunge, and I just thought this was a, a good feel good article. This was. Uh, some uh, a diver, you know, he had retired in his mid 50s, and uh, the previous couple of years he took up scuba diving and he convinced his wife to go. And she wasn't a real big fan of it. So she had a fear of drowning, and she also had a fear of backache and sunburn, and that was wow. her opinion of scuba diving. But uh, you know, <laughs> he was able to convince her to dive, and they, it sounds like they've actually been able to enjoy it. They've been doing some trips, getting out in the water. Brilliant. So I always, I always love to see that. We need we need to get more people diving. You're never you're never too old. I like to say. I'm I'm you sure know. a doctor might disagree with me. But. Life begins at fifty. <laughs> that's that's the best thing. I'm gonna stick with that one. <laughs> <sighs> I think you skipped one item though. What's that? Let's talk about the turtles. Oh, the turtles. You want to go plastic, back to the, yeah. the, the, the turtles? I wanna, I, uh, my question is, why do they eat plastic? Because it looks like jellyfish. Oh, okay. That's yeah. what I was... Yeah, we've got a real issue here with plastic bags. Because um, everyone, when you go to the supermarket, they give you your stuff in a plastic bag. Inevitably, it ends up in some landfill somewhere. A strong wind comes along, blows all the rubbish into the sea. Not that often, but when it's really windy, you get plastic bags blown into the sea. And it looks just like jellyfish, which turtles eat. Ah, uh, yeah, it says... Uh... Meanwhile, down the coast, a dead turtle washed up ingesting 300 pieces of plastic, a modern killer that travels through the stormwater drains and is much worse than make-believe sharks. We see 40 to 50 sea turtles each year. They're suffocating from bag indigestion. Uh, This is from the Australian Seabird Rescue. Uh, There are millions of turtles out there in the reefs of species, and I have no doubt that there are more with this condition. Uh, The plastic makes its way through the stormwater tanks out to sea sometimes, Reality in itself just bites. I wish they'd have mentioned that about the jellyfish because it makes sense now. I couldn't mm. figure out why the guy's going to eat plastic. Yeah. yeah. Also, also one thing that's been they've been happening. There's a study that's been going out off of California, where they take some boats and they're actually skimming the water. Yeah. And what they're discovering is that some of this plastic, it starts in bigger pieces and then it does break down. You know, I mean the sun makes it brittle. But it just makes it into smaller and smaller pieces, which sounds a little yeah. reminiscent of uh, of what we had here in the U.S., which was, uh, oh, what was that fire protection stuff? Asbestos. So mm-hmm. it, it's kind of that same thing where the plastic gets smaller and smaller to where it gets to the little pieces in it. And I've heard that some animals think of it, it looks like eggs, so they're ingesting it. And then it will impact their systems. You know, they just can't, they, they fail to be able to digest anymore. They're finding little tiny bits of plastic in the stomachs of loads of fish, loads of sea life, actually. It's a really big issue. It, yeah. As you said, it breaks down into tiny little grains and little, little bits. So, as you say, it's easily eaten by mistake. But yeah. the, the plastic bags definitely look like jellyfish. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, because I've, I've thought a lot about this where you've got materials. And there's certain materials that need to last for a long time because of their usage. But then there's other things where they're, they're pretty much single use. 
And there's ways of making these plastic bags break down. You know, I, I don't need my, you know, mass retailer's plastic bag to last for 10 years. I mean, six months is more than long enough. And they, they can make that with starches from corn or soybeans. Uh, so uh, I, I, I think this is going to become more and more highlighted as things go yeah. on. And then you have animals like that. And we've all seen the the sad photos of, you know, turtles and alligators and stuff caught in plastic rings. Oh, that's awful. So. Well, they're, well, they're doing a lot in the UK and certainly South Africa, a little bit here, but they're struggling, is um, trying to encourage people not to use plastic shopping bags, to use like Hessian bags so that you reuse your bag. You take your shopping bag there, you put all your shopping in, and even in your shop when you're shopping, they're trying to encourage you to, you know, instead of putting all your potatoes into a plastic bag, keep them separate. I know it's a bit awkward or put them into a paper bag because at least paper can be recycled and it does break down. They're trying, there are quite a few websites actually trying teaching people or giving you information on how to live your life avoiding as much plastic use. We use plastic so much, you know, you think like um, to keep foods fresh and shopping bags even like kiddie toys and things like that they're all plastic yeah. and it, it doesn't break down it just crumbles and nine times out of ten ends up in the sea yes um, well, what our retailers are doing uh, some of them are offering you discounts if you bring your own bags the recycled they have uh, yeah. oh no I wouldn't call it quite a canvas bag it's almost like a fiber bag pack mm. <coughs> So, yeah, so that, that's something that we've, we've got to consider, uh, figure out some better materials to be using. Uh, Definitely. Okay, and then the next one is still married. A uh, Dadeville diver recovers a wedding ring from Lake Martin. And it seemed like we just covered one of these not too long ago where somebody had found a, a wedding ring for somebody who had lost it. But, uh, this, uh, gentleman had done is he, uh, he says, as soon as I, Oh, he was, uh, during a family outing last week at Lake Martin, uh, 30 year, 32 year old hall of Opilka and his two sons are playing in a rope swing. He says, that's when it happens. As soon as I let go of the rope and jumped in the water, about 40 feet out, my ring popped off. Uh, said Hall, a Miami native. I, I love this quote. I was pissed, upset, and hurt. I guess you could say every emotion you have in your body. I felt at that moment like my wife picked out that ring with all her heart, and I knew how much it meant to her. Uh, so he went on the internet searching for somebody who would help him recover the ring. He contacted Riderman42, a certified scuba diving instructor and owner of scubadivetoday.com, who was also an avid cave and wreck diver in the Dadeville area. His wife, a former employee of the East Alabama Medical Center, is also an advanced scuba diver. Uh, he, Hall, had lost the ring on Monday. He called me on Tuesday, and I managed to find it on Saturday. I told him I'd look for it, but I didn't expect to find it. Uh, so after heading out in his friend's pontoon boat, putting on a wetsuit uh, with a flashlight, uh, he dove in the water at Lake Martin, uh, looking for the ring at first, he says, I searched the wrong area. Then he got hauled back in the rope swing and I'm jumping just like he did when he lost the ring. 
they went and searched the area at the bottom of the lake looking for anything shiny caught his eye. He says he was careful not to disturb the silt because that would reduce his visibility. Most of the shiny stuff he, he found was old bottle caps. Uh, until he saw something reflecting caught his eye. He reached down and picked it up. Uh, he says, either I'm lucky or I found a different ring. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, he put that in Pawpaw, he wouldn't have been lucky. No, no <laughs> Pawpaw, Pawpaw, that would have been. Now, now, would something like that have shown up on a metal detector, Mac? Yeah. 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 Like on Pawpaw, that'd be about the only way. And even then, I don't know that muck. Well, you'd either have muck or you'd have uh, thick seaweed. Sounds well, like it has silt as well. Twenty feet deep, there's a lot of muck out there. Yes. Uh, he got lucky, that's for sure. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Yes, that's cool. And then this next one, which I'm, I'll go ahead and post into the uh, show notes for you. I, I found it afterwards. I thought it would be a good discussion point. This one is uh, Patty is launching an e-card, an electronic card. And uh, somebody had actually sent a message on Twitter saying, do you think this is a good idea? And actually, from first-hand experience, I think it's a great idea. Because <laughs> I've gone traveling, and you sometimes don't remember your C-card. We actually had to yeah. backtrack because we knew we weren't going to get be able to get into the quarry without it. Well, we, we often have people who come up, turn up, and they're like, oh, I booked it really last minute, didn't think I was going to go diving. So we, you can do a check online to see what their certification level is. Um, but this is good because it includes a photograph as well. Yeah, it has a photograph. Uh, you, if you have a smartphone and you have the app, it's going to bring oh, yeah. it up on the screen. Uh, you know, Somebody with another smartphone can take a picture of it. It's going to bring up the website, and it's going to have all that information as verification. So uh, there's a way you said uh, you can get it as a replacement card from Patty. It's going to be the fourth quarter of 2011. You'll have the option of a replacement card. We have a choice of an e-card, a plastic card, or, or both. And I think I'd actually opt for both. Yeah, I would. So I just think this is a good idea. And also uh, a few websites where I keep my dive logs on, and I've actually scanned my Patty card and, and put it up there just so that way I have it. Plus it's a, you know, it's a way if somebody wants to validate. So if you're... You know, going to be going with a boat charter, and they want to know what kind of experience. You can just send them a link and say, "Well, you know, here's the information." Which I like that because then also they can they can see my dive logs. Yeah, that is good. Actually, yeah, and, that's a, and that they you know they can they can see that I I have been diving more than a couple times. Yeah, and that you were diving say last week as opposed to five years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, it's seven years ago I dove I dove once. So yeah, that's that's a good that's that's a good way to, of doing it. I I like it. Plus, in that way. You know, I, I can always go back and recreate it a little bit, you know, call a little bit of cloud computing there. And how long they'll keep them on file? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know how long Patty keeps information, but I'm many organizations keep it for an awful long time. I know, as in, obviously, as instructors, we have to keep all the information, all our forms for six years. So, but I would imagine that they keep it, they must keep it indefinitely if they've got the information there. 
Certainly, I can look up anyone who's been PADI certified as a diver. I can go online onto the PADI website and look up to see that they are actually certified. Even if it's been 30 years ago? I don't know. I haven't any, had anyone turn up who was certified 30 years ago. Um, I'd be curious to know, actually. I'll have to find someone. I, I would just hope that my picture would resemble me 30 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's I'm true. My name. I'd like to see if they've got my patty stuff there. I, I bet you could do that, Mac. That might be a good thing to, to call them up say, hey, you know, can, I, can you verify my information? Yeah. Because, Mac, do you, you, have a, you, have, you still carry your C card? <clears throat> I, I have a special wallet for those. The old YMCA card doesn't even have numbers on it. It's that long ago. Wow. Yeah. How would you validate YMCA? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they have a uh, archive group who goes through oh, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll look for you, Mac, if you like. <laughs> well, I've got enough of them, so I'm, I'm still good. <laughs> When Mac goes into the dive store, he fills his own air, so it's really not like, like they're exactly. Looking, I don't think they're not checking. You know, can, you're qualified for this. It's nice local like that. I don't think they yeah. let me do that though, when I go up north. No. Yeah, you get away from my tank. <laughs> well, so that does it for the news. Uh, uh, we did have some activity going on in the forum, which we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about some some dives we had last week. Mac, now you've you've had to have had a few dives in, I know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what day I did what now. Okay, well I I can always tell. We'll we'll, we'll pull up the Mud Club site, and I'm sure you know. Uh, we'll, let's start with the the first questions. Uh, how many anchors did you find? We, we only got one anchor on that one dive off the <laughs> structure. But the, the late Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday were absolutely flat on Lake Michigan. Wow. If, if I wish I'd have had extra gas and a real good boat and uh, so I could get that side can working. But Oh, that would be out, perfect. Oh, we went out looking for structures. You know what I'm talking. Yep. Uh, and uh, there's a couple out there. And you well, did you see the pictures I did post? I, you I mean the green blob? Well, yeah, but you can see the bars, right? That cage-looking thing. Oh, that bars? Yeah, okay. Side of the structure shooting out. So you can see something that way. And then down at the bottom sort of shooting up to a square hole. That's down at the bottom of the structure looking up. So, I mean, that's a fun half-tank dive. That's a good uh-huh. dive. Not to go inside, but uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's our disclaimer. Uh, make sure you're safe in your diving, because uh, mm-hmm. you know I, I I like your your comment. They could be turned on at any time. Well, yeah, that's like I sent you guys the coordinates the other day. Yeah. And my comment in there, because I had to put the danger, and because somebody will be stupid and go in there. Oh, Not, yeah. I mean, when you get down to the bottom, you turn around and look to the right. There's a three-foot hole there, guys. That's called a suction hole. You really don't want to be there when they turn that pump on. Yeah. Yeah, that just doesn't sound good. To me, To me, that is like one step away from a meat grinder. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I... I 
Yeah, I'm not. Uh, in, in fact, that's one of those things like when you have nightmares at night, that's what you think that could happen. You have a quarter mile trip to think about it. Oh, that oh, doesn't make no. me feel good. <laughs> 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 oh, okay, so you had the uh, the structures uh, a couple times. Yeah, we now, did those. Um, now, did you, did you find anything more on, uh, we talked about last week where you had the tackle box. To, did the paper ever dry out? Oh, matter of fact, uh, I contacted the uh, Michigan DNR and gave them all the information, including a copy of the guy's fishing license with the numbers, because you couldn't make his name out. And uh, they wrote back to me, like, the next day. Because uh, I sent it to them during the weekend. Monday, I got a response back saying they couldn't release any information like that, personal data. But they would send him a letter telling them that some guy found their tack, his tackle box. Uh, because he didn't have email on, on the report, you don't need it to get a right. So, matter of fact, I got back home tonight, and I have a, a call then from this guy who says, hey, I just got a note from the DNR commission saying, found my tackle box. <laughs> well, the, I, I've really got to talk to this guy because his area code is 608. That's wow. Not, yeah. That's Wisconsin. Really? Yeah, so I'm really curious to find out what's he, what he was doing down here. How did he lose that tackle box? And did he lose it from a boat or was he on the Exactly, because I, I, well, I've been out in the pier where you've got water breaking out over the pier, and I can understand losing stuff, but with a photo, you showed what was in that tackle box. That's not something that you want to lose. Oh, no, yeah. Which, did you get the one where I had the stuff split out so you could see stuff? Uh, there's a box to the side, and there's all sorts of stuff? Or did you just get the picture of the one box? I just saw the picture of the one box. Oh, okay. I, I think under Treasure, I might have put another picture. Uh-huh. And if you see it, that's only a portion of what was in that box. This guy had to be really, really pissed when that went in the water. Yeah, I would I would imagine so. I'm well, gonna I'm curious to see what he's got to say and how he's gonna pick it up if he's from Wisconsin. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and put that into the chat room so everybody can go and take a peek over there at some of the treasure. Just to the, it, it, it doesn't take long. I mean, I'm looking at these posts, and there's like one every every so many days of another 50 to 60 items. Uh, how, how's the golf ball uh, pyramid coming? Oh, I, I'll tell you what. I, I'm really seriously thinking about doing that. I, my wife is not king about me tracing out the backyard, making the center, you know, so I can start the pyramid. But <laughs> I've got that five-gallon pail totally full now. I had another bucket. I was just putting miscellaneous balls. That sucker's full. So uh, it's, it's I, called modern art, isn't it? You're right. It's modern art. <laughs> see, here, here in the U.S., you've got uh, you know the Route 66 type of things to see. You know the ball of twine, the world's largest uh, ball of rubber bands. You know oh, bubble you gum. Go. So you know Mac and his golf ball pyramid. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, i got to check the zoning laws and see if they'll let me do that, I suppose. That'd probably be the first thing I need to do. Oh, uh, being being the good citizen. I was kind of figuring you just do it and then... What, what, <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, so you, you had that. Also looks like you did a uh, pier dive. Yep. Uh, 
I'll tell you what, I, uh, that could ruin you there. It was so much easier to do a pier dive. Well, actually, I did a couple of pier dives since then. Uh, we did South Pier and North Pier. Yeah, what can I say? Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, diving every day. So. That's great. So, uh, Claire, what kind of diving did you get in the last few weeks? Um, I've been guiding a lot, which at this time of year is fantastic. And I did an open water course, which actually turned out to be um, a bit bit dramatic for my students. Um, We've been getting a lot of life because obviously it's summer and everything's starting to kick off. We're doing our third open water dive on one of our little baby reefs that we call Fiddle Garden. It's a really nice little gentle dive. You never expect to see anything dramatic there. And we've just done all the skills on this particular dive. We set off for a little swim. And as we got to the drop-off, I looked down and I'm like, oh, shark, <laughs> baby white tip. Well, it wasn't a baby white tip, but medium-sized white tip reef wow. shark. And literally, we've looked at that. And then I looked at my fellow instructor, my colleague, and she's pointing out to the blue, and a manta ray is flying by. So we're sort of hanging on to our poor divers, because by then the sort of buoyancy is the last thing they're thinking of, and they're looking up towards the surface, kicking. We're going, oh, no, don't go anywhere. Um, yeah, so they had a great dive. And um, it's, yeah, it's at that time of year where stuff is starting to build up, so... I've been bouncing backwards and forwards between an area called Turan and the other area called Ras Mohammed. Turan is slightly further north, Ras Mohammed's further south. And and just having some great dives. There's loads of sea life going on, lots of shoals of fish. And I'm just enjoying hanging out in the blue with loads of fish around my head and hoping to see big fish. And yeah, we've seen some good ones. I saw a leopard shark yesterday, which is very cool. Look down its mouth. It swam over my head, and it was a gummy, gummy mouth. I was quite shocked. I've not seen their mouths. I know that they're not particularly vicious sharks. Uh, I couldn't see a single tooth. And so apparently they use a combination of suction and biting to eat. They eat like clams and mollusks, things like that. But that was really cool. We all sort of hovered around this by this shark, and he he got the hump because he thought, well, I'm not getting a peaceful sleep here, so scooted off. And just happened to go right past my head, so that was really cool. So I've been very lucky, um, and and that's it really. I've just, as I said, I've been bouncing backwards and forwards between the two areas, and it's all kind of merged into two weeks of fantastic diving. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds sounds amazing. It it. Uh, this time of year, it is anyway. Even if you don't see anything big, it's it's very cool. The visibility yesterday, I dropped in on one reef, and I, I really can't even begin to guess. It must have been 40 meters because we were out on what's called a satellite reef. It's a dive site called Jack Fish Alley, and it's usually quite easy to get a bit disorientated because you can go out on this satellite reef that's very much a plateau, and if you're not paying attention to where you're going you could easily slightly turn and then think oh wait, wait a minute where's the main reef but even when I was right out on the satellite reef I could still see the main reef having swum 20 minutes out I could still see the main wow. reef going up not clearly but in the distance I was just like this is nuts it's not normally that good visibility it's it, I mean it is but it was ridiculous yesterday it, you know crazy visibility <laughs> So a, a little, Mac, it sounds like she had a little bit better visibility than Papa. Well, 
then Papa, yeah, but uh, you know how Dave likes the uh, Florida, and he likes to dive in Florida. Uh-huh. He was comparing the uh, South Pier to his Florida reef dives. That's really? Nice yeah, we had good vis. Really, that good? And when she was talking about fish, this is one of the few times that we actually had the game fish coming around us, like, okay, where's the food, guys? Oh, oh brilliant! <laughs> oh, now, now I'm see, Mac. You got to get a camera. I, that I have got to do. I really do. Because yeah. what was that? That one that you took? That was that just uh, disposable? You had? No, that's uh, David had one, but it didn't have a flash or anything. So that that's the ambient light coming down there. I mean, it's green, but it's, it's yeah, what, <laughs> once you get beyond say five meters without a flash. Unless the water's really clear, it's going to get a bit, yeah, as you say, green, pea soup. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, I did the inside. I took a camera on the inside of the pier last year, and it was green at two meters. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> so, but Mac, that sounds great. I'm, uh, you know, uh, David was all excited. He wanted. He's talking about going out again tonight. I saw. Oh, tonight? Oh. Uh, well, there was a night dive last night, but I didn't go on that one because we had two dives during the day, and I needed to get some work done. So today was yard work. But so, hopefully, uh, we're supposed to got 30 mile an hour wind, so I don't think the big lake is going to be good tomorrow. Yeah. So who had a night dive last night? Uh, Sass. They had oh. Go late. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. I did the, I did the day dive instead, but I'd like to dive tomorrow. But are you guys going on the uh, boat this week, the uh, material service barge and uh, Tacoma? Tacoma? Uh, it sounds like it. Now this last weekend, uh, we went down to Michigan City. We took uh, one boat out. <clears throat> Jim K. Uh, he is still alive. Yeah, he he and I and Bob and Kirk. We went out on uh, out to Michigan City. We got a nice early start. Went down there, uh, right there across from the Blue Chip Casino is where we went in. Uh, it was that's a public launch. I didn't realize it, but the same uh, Michigan City Port Authority, I believe. So you have the one that's up there by the mouth of the river. Uh, that one's about twenty bucks to use because you're paying for parking and the seven dollar ramp fee. And this other one is the Port Authority. And uh, we had uh, the kind of the same situation, but there's no parking, yeah. so it was just seven dollars. So that was a that's a deal, but you do have to have another five minutes on the river. So we were planning on doing two dives. Uh, you know, we motor up. It takes you about fifteen twenty minutes, uh, no wake speeds, to get out through the breakwater. And we stopped, and you know, we're had something that we got to work on, Mac, because we got to get GPS coordinates for all these sites. Uh, I did a big research trying to find coordinates for wrecks we had in Dovan. And when you put them in the computer, some of them would show up actually on land. So uh, people are transposing numbers. So, yeah, they're giving you, you got the right numbers. You just might not have them in the right order. And uh, so we went to the, the Muskegon we get out there. We're trying to decide the order which we're going on. Bob's got his rebreather. Kirk's got his tech gear. Jim and I have our 80s. 
we drop the anchor right there on the wreck. Uh, we start to gear up. Oh, it wasn't, I'm sorry, it wasn't Kirk. It was Rich. So anyways, Rich gets his dry suit on. Bob gets ready. And then he realizes he doesn't have his dry suit with him. <laughs> Whoops. No, he's like, no, you guys dive. I'll go. We're like, no, no, we'll go back in and we'll get your dry suit. I felt bad because what I did is I staged everything on the back of the tailgate of his vehicle. And we were loading stuff. But I don't know what's in people's bags. So some bags stay in the vehicle, some go. So I just kind of put it out so it's visible. And for whatever reason, it didn't get grabbed. So we motor. So we, we decide that we're going to go motor our way back in. We go to pull up the anchor, Mac. We can't, we can't get it up. We've snagged the wreck. So Jim says, no, you know, no worries. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go down and I'll pull it up. So as Jim gets ready to go down, we're like, well, we better throw a dive flag up. So we throw a dive flag up on uh, the boat, which is uh, the rigid hull inflatable. Jim goes down. He comes up. Uh, after he's up, you know, he, he unsnagged the anchor. The anchor was just perfectly, it like went right in the middle of the wreck down a hole. So there was no way you were getting that anchor up without pulling it up. So anyway, Jim's still in the water. We take the dive flag down, and then the DNR comes over. So we're, we're playing 20 questions with them. What are you doing? Do you, you know, where's your dive flag? Where's your safety equipment? So we went and did that, and you know, once they realized that we were all fine, then we got to chatting a little bit, which was good. So I, I, I never hold anything against them for doing that, but it's never a fun situation to be to be in when you're being quizzed like that. So we went in, went back out, and then we went down. So <clears throat> Viz on the surface was pretty terrible. Uh, the, it was a perfect day to be out in the lake. Nice sunny day. Uh, waves were zero to six inches. I mean, the only wake out there was from other boats. There were really no waves. Uh, Viz in the bottom was about five to six feet, which is actually pretty good for that spot. It's a really shallow wreck, the Muskegon. It's an old sand sucker that burned at the dock in Michigan City at the turn of the century, got pushed into the lake, and that's where it sank, just about a mile south, uh, not south, a mile west of the pierhead there. Uh, and there's a boiler. We were right in the middle of the wreck. It took me a little bit to get uh, my bearings on the wreck because I thought we were down on one end. Uh, but we went around, and uh, it, it was it was a nice dive. It, you know, at that depth, an 80 lasts you an awful long time. We probably had close to an hour down there. Cool. So, but just a, just a nice. Uh, didn't uh, we? Well, you got the goby, so we had the you know our traditional fish hanging around the wreck. Uh, I want to say somebody said they saw a bass or a trout. But overall, just a nice dive. Uh, would like to get another dive out there, but uh, we're getting you know towards the end of the day with all the driving. Now, Mac, I understand that you were in a plane at that time. Well, yeah. Did you take a look on the net? I think I put the picture. I was going to say, can you find your boat? <laughs> I'll have to take a look to see. I talked to Sweeney, and he said uh, he wanted where that low-flying airplane was. Now, was that? Like that. that wasn't you, though, was it? Uh, <clears throat> not low. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was a, a nice day. Just a beautiful day. So. Yes, We've made was. plans for this weekend. We're talking about the material, material service barge. 
off of Chicago. So we'll have, it looks like two boats going there. Bob's boat and Jim's boat. Planning on Saturday. <clears throat> uh, Mac was, uh, not Mac, uh, Bob was saying that the waves over here look to be two to four feet, but it's going to be zero to one feet over there because the waves don't have any time to build. So <laughs> we'll see how the weather holds out. Yeah, we're hoping for good weather. While you guys are doing that, we'd like to go put a submerged buoy on the other wreck. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that way we won't waste time and we won't muck up the bottom drag and the anchor trying to set it. Yeah, that, that'd be kind of interesting to see if that makes a difference, if it's if the anchor has been contributing some of the poor visibility there. Well, like on those structures, if you don't come in on the structure with the riprap and you hit the, the silt on the side, soon as you touch it, it just goes poof like talcum powder. Hmm. I think part of what we're doing out there is uh, the anchors dragging through something, kicking it up before we even get there. Yeah. And then you run the risk of damaging the wreck as well if you drop it accidentally on the wreck itself. That's oh, true. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you don't do any more damage to it. Mm. So, uh, so that'll be nice. We'll get a couple dives in. I think you're going to like the MSB. You've never been on it, so you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that's uh, quite a popular wreck, that there's times it'll be three or four boats on that. Yep. Back 20 years ago before it was, uh, they dynamite it. Most people don't realize it looks like a barge, but they actually had an engine room inside and places for the crew to sleep. And they lost, I think, 16 people drowned when it sank. Ooh. And back 20 and 30 years ago, when it was a lot more pristine, uh, we lost some divers on it doing penetrations. Oh. Uh, they actually dynamited the aft end of it for other reasons, but that made more accessible and made certain parts of it less hazardous. But you can still get to some doorways or areas that you'd have to squeeze through and take your tank off. Go through it, drag your tank in. But some people are still doing. Yeah, it, it, uh, that's not worth it. No, it yeah. isn't. If you can't go in with the kit on, I, I personally, I'm, that's a bit too small for me. I quite like to keep a kit on. Yeah, I, I've, I've watched some of those videos of some cave divers where they had one taken off the rebreather and shoving it through the hole. And there's just something... It gives me a little anxiety when I see somebody pushing a perfectly good tank and regulator through an opening and watching it go down the other side. Mm. So, and and plus, I, I'm not going to fit through those spots. <laughs> <laughs> it just, you know, my my body is not going to squeeze through there. So uh, I'll I'll take the open ocean and lakes and wrecks with large cargo holds. I don't know. It always seems like if you go into an enclosed space, it's smaller trying to get out than it was getting in. But it's harder than heck coming down that same tree. Yeah. yeah in, in the chat room, we have dive mistress saying that's what side mounts are for. So That's I, true. That's really, a whole new thing, isn't it? Yeah, I really like the idea of a side mount. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go through the whole doubles thing. 
for tech diving, but the side mount just seems all just it's more attractive to me. Yeah, and they're they're very good for cave diving, aren't they? Where you get the the layers of rock, of course, like very wide but shallow caves. So you've got your tanks on the side rather than causing no blockage up on your back. So tanks on the side, so it makes you much more flat. So you can go through that way. That's that's very cool for them. And we also have to do a shout out to uh, Rich from Diver Sink. Uh, he mentioned the show last night or Tuesday night on his show. So uh, thanks to him. And I, I think what we're going to do is we're going to do a special episode coming up where we're going to talk about other podcasts. We'll do our scuba obsessed review of other shows. Cause if you're really, truly scuba obsessed, you're out there listening to other shows too. And, and Rich has got an excellent one. I love uh, the topics that he covers. Uh, he, he had uh, out there at white star where he has the concession. They had rebreathers. Uh, the Poseidon has been going through the U.S. doing rebreathers at White Star, and uh, th- his last episode he was talking about, uh, you know, the three or four rebreather dives he got to do, and just how everything worked, and the counter lungs, and buoyancy, and you know, rebreathers. I think it's not going to be too much longer, and, you're, and they're going to be more popular than they already are. But it looks like to me it can limit though because of the cost. It's a lot easier to, to spend your money getting your gear to go open circuit than it is closed. And if you're not sure how you're going to like it, especially up north like us, do you want to spend five, $7,000 for something you're not quite sure you're really, really going to like? Oh, I think that's, that's that, I mean, that's a valid point, but. They, sorry. they often have uh, dive shows. They'll often have like a pool where they give you try dives and they'll often do rebreather try dives as well so you can get a feel for it. So you can see, you know, whether you like it or whether you, I know the buoyancy is different, isn't it? Because you can't really use your lungs to fine tune your buoyancy. But apparently the lack of bubbles is just amazing for the sea life coming up to you and not being bothered by your presence at all. Yeah, Rich was talking about because he's really big into uh, doing photography. And he, he said yeah. with the rebreather, he was able to control his buoyancy just by uh, breathing in or letting air leak out of his mouth. That was how well he was able to control the buoyancy with a rebreather because your counter lung is now uh, keeping you, mm-hmm. you know, once you get neutral in the water column. You know, your, your volume is staying the same because as you breathe in and breathe out, it just fills that counter lung with the same volume yeah. that's in your lung. So you're just exchanging that air around. So he was just talking about with a camera and you're holding all the stuff to not have to go and grab your BC to adjust. Uh, he said it was absolutely amazing. And then again, the no bubbles. So, you're, you know, especially uh, you know, like Bob, who, uh, the, who we dive with all the time, who's a rebreather, you know, he'll get in the spots in a wreck. And then us open circuit guys will come on in and, you know, our bubbles are hitting the top and knocking the silt down and all sorts of stuff. So, and then the yeah. fish, you know, the aquatic life, you know, fish don't like the, the sound of the regulators. Yeah. Dive mistress has just mentioned in the chat room, she said sharks, of course, they, they get scared by the bubbles. Big horses. Yeah. <laughs> but they do, they hear the bubbles and they go, oh, we don't like that, scoot off. And so, obviously, a rebreather, they're going to be more like to be a bit curious, which would be interesting. 
know, get closer encounters. Yeah, yeah. Dave is um, Dave is saying he prefers his his models. So I don't know. I the, the nice part about the rebreather, first thing I noticed was how quiet it is. I mean, I can yeah. hear all the other divers out there sucking air, and it's like, hey, this is wild. I can I can hear stuff I couldn't hear before. Yeah. yeah. Well, my next up on my list is the dry suit. So that was one of the topics we had in the forum this week. So uh, head over to Scuba Obsessed, click on the forum link, and put some comments in. I'm looking for advice on dry suits. It's definitely this is this is going to be it. I think we're getting to the last 60 days before I I uh, I get my dry suit. So time to check. It, it's like the problem is uh, the one I want just seems to be way too expensive. And then the backup one I want is even more expensive. So I I don't know. I look in the magazines and I see, or online and I see the five and six hundred dollar dry suits, and I, you know I want something that's about sixteen eighteen hundred dollars. How can your backup be more than what you want for your primary? Well, it wouldn't be my backup, but it would be my second choice, I guess, is what I should say. You know, the one that I isn't as nice as the one that I'd like, or at least in my mind. You know, because you've got. Everybody's got dry suit fans, and if you're a fan of your dry suit, just go ahead and head on the forums and get some discussions going. Because I'd like to get. I've I've also contacted some of the dry suit manufacturers trying to get some reps on the program, so they can go ahead and give us their spin. Uh, but yeah, my uh, my you know, I'm already on my second set of boots, one that I'd upgraded, and you know, diving multiple dives a week, I'm just wearing out gear. So my uh, neoprene boots are starting to, you know, I you, you struggle one time and you pull a little too hard and now the neoprene's starting to crush or separate. Now I'm destroying gloves, so it's just time for a dry suit. All right, it's like that suit though. I had uh, remember the one I was using the year before last for the ice dives. Yeah. That's strictly a warm water suit now. It is so porous that. Other than pawpaw this time of year, I can't use it on the wrecks, and I'm sure as I'm not using it on the ice again. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's what's that's what's happening is, and it's nothing against the suits. We just dive an awful lot. You know, I, I've heard numbers. They say that these wetsuits are really 200 dive wetsuits, and they just yeah. start, uh, you know, because what they're doing to make them super flexible, they do that by putting more air in. And, and that's what makes them... Yeah, right. Yeah. Much quicker. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and for the average, you know, recreational diver, 200 dives might take them four or five years, and you know that that's plenty of life for a suit. But for some of us serious divers, where we're going in every week, uh, it just they just don't last. At least the wetsuits aren't lasting as long. So, but Mac, I was looking and for the you know because I'm looked at the Fusion, I've looked at the DUI, and the Viking, and they're all about the. You know they're all in that same price range. Yeah, you know, it's at uh, sixteen hundred to twenty two hundred, and then you can easily get accessorized, and you start. You know, you, then you can get up to twenty five hundred, three thousand. So, custom is nice, but if you can find a good used one, that's really the way to go. Yeah, yeah, I know. Basically I. It's going to be your cuffs, your neck. And maybe a valve that you're going to have to work with, meaning repair or, or tweak. My first one was second hand. I loved it. It was 
it had been yeah. tried and tested and yeah um, it was given to me by one of the fellow instructors here and it was I could nowhere have afforded it um, straight off at the time uh, and it was great. It was an 03 one. Yeah, well, I, and I talked to so many divers in the club, and it takes them two or three dry suits to get the one they want. Yeah, that's true. You know, Bob, Bob, when he did his tech diving, you know, he loved his dry suit. Uh, in fact, when he traded it in before he even left the dive shop, uh, he had helped the dive shop sell it to somebody else because it was a great dry suit. He just couldn't do all the tech drills. You know, turning valves on and reaching back with it. It was just a little too stiff, so we need something a little bit more flexible. So, yeah, so so right now it's, you know, I, I've, I've, I've got them all. They're all on the list, and I keep going back and forth, so I just got to make a decision. So we'll get a, we'll, we'll get something. Uh, also. You're going to be diving dry when you go to Cooper River? I, I could be. The thing is, I don't, the Cooper River I might dive wet it did i mean i don't know it just depends we get a lot more dives in the summer my wetsuit might not be any condition for cooper river so yeah we got dive mistress who's uh, saying she likes the uh, fusion mm. there's a uh down there it's scuba pro fusion up here it's uh white's fusion i use the scuba pro everflex and that is brilliant, but again, it's got lots of must have lots of air or something in it because it is really flexible. It feels very much like a wetsuit, to be honest. Yeah, really nice. Yeah, I, I like the like Max, an old Viking guy, and I, I, I mean Vikings from long ago. Not that Max really all that old, but uh, thank you. <laughs> but the the thing with a Viking, I just imagine that you know that's good for hazmat work, but I just picture that one being a bear and stiff. I, I liked it a lot better than the old flexible uni suit beside me. Uh-huh. And again, I like the decon aspects because, well, back then when I was diving, that's kind of crap we dove in. Yeah, well, I'm... Like, that was good. Now I'm, I'm hoping to stay out of the sewage and chemicals, so... It's always a good plan. Yeah, it, it's kind of, you know, you, you can't put that in the, the dive brochures. Uh, you don't get a whole lot of people coming <laughs> if you advertise that. Uh, but uh, the river sometimes you can't avoid it. So uh, yeah. if if we do river dives in the in a rainy rainy days, uh, you can yeah. you can get some of that. Uh, but yeah, that's that's something else. And then uh, we're going to be doing a special project. Uh, Jim has procured a, another boat, a 19 foot Starcraft. Uh, it's one that his dad had, and he's finally been able to convince his dad that he's not going to be using it anymore. His dad's getting up there in age, so his dad has donated it to the cause. So we are going to remodel it and turn it into a dive boat. So if you've ever if you've ever done that, taken a uh, smaller boat. I mean, this is not a commercial dive boat, but one for you know three to five divers. If you have any ideas, let us know. We like to you know links or pictures because we're we're talking about taking it all the way down to the hull putting in a new deck and then setting up the gear. We're trying to figure out how do you, how do you make it flexible? You know, you know, so we got some ideas, so we'll go ahead and get some pictures on that. That'll probably start here in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, I don't know if we'll have it back in the water by the end of this season, but hopefully by 
beginning of next season, we'll have a boat dedicated to diving. Jim's got an excellent boat for diving, really nice. It's kind of that one boat does all. But the problem with the family boat is that you you got to be careful with it. You know, you don't want to be dragging the tanks along the fiberglass or anything because, you know, that's, that's not a dive boat. Dive boat, you just want to throw gear in, and you know, as long as the gear's fine, we really don't care about the boat. You're going to go down for the auction this weekend? What's the auction? That's, they're uh, getting rid of the Marine Division boats, those two that are down there. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. That would be beautiful. Those boats are amazing. Uh, I don't I don't know if you call it a rigid hull inflatable because it's a rigid hull aluminum boat, but they're really not. They look like pontoon inflatable pontoons, but they're really more bumpers, molded bumpers, but dual outboards, uh, a cabin on it. But they're probably, I'd say, about 28 to 32 foot long, low to the water, perfect dive boats, absolutely perfect. But, Mac, we need to get that rich mentor who would like to donate some money for a dive club to have a boat like that because those would be perfect i just want to ride every day out there that's one thing about dave he doesn't mind taking his boat out we've been in that area looking not exactly looking for the bomber but if it shows up it'll be nice yeah hey flat days and let me out there yeah like i've got to do some computer work we got to get to we can start stitching together some of these maps you've got i like to make a whole contour of the bottom there because we'll we'll find it and if we don't find that we'll find some other stuff i just need to get diving that's all there is let's get wet oh yeah yeah more diving and then we have to yeah we just have to get some more diving in absolutely okay so uh anybody got anything to promote uh dive bunny what's your website divebunny.com and that's where I, I've got my blog where I tell everyone about what I've been doing during the week. Um, and I've just published Kindle, but I'm not going to promote it fully yet because uh, there's some sort of issue. I, I don't know if it's that I write too much in a blog, but um, it doesn't seem to show the whole page or the whole of each blog post. So I'll, I'll tell you about that more later once I've actually got it all fixed. Okay. Uh, that's, yeah. That's excellent. See, see what so you, I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's uh, divebunny, D-I-V-E-B-U-N-N-I-E dot com? Yes. Yeah. So you can go ahead and follow uh, Claire Dive Bunny there. And then Mac's got uh, the Mud Club website, mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. All his goodies will show up on that website. Go click to the link. Also, we accept members from all over the world. So you know, maybe we should have a contest, Mac, see who's the, the, the member farthest from our home base to join so uh you can click over there for an application to the mud club michigan underwater divers michigan yep, group. looking for somebody from samoa I'm looking for somebody from samoa. <laughs> samoa so uh yeah even even emails even if you're from samoa and you don't want to join just go ahead and send <laughs> us an email max Absolutely. max got a special project for you <laughs> and then as always you can follow us on scubaobsessed.com Facebook forward slash scuba obsessed. That's our Facebook page. Also, you can follow us on Twitter. That is at Darren Jilson, D A R R I N J I L L S O N. We also have at Jake Kleeman, J K L I E M A N N. You also got at scuba obsessed. And then, Claire, you also have a Twitter handle that. You're I do. On. That's Dive Bunny as well. 
Dive Bunny as well, so you can also follow her on that. We got some Twitter action going out there on the internet. So, so a great week. So, are we getting close to where we're ready for the bad scuba joke? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm braced. You're braced. And this one is not only exceptionally bad, but it's objectionable. And it's actually insulting to all divers. So, I mean, it's it's wrong in so many ways. And believe me, when, when you hear it, you'll understand why. So, everybody, apologize for the chat room. I understand if you never listen again. So, here we go. Uh, and it's actually got a title. It's called Scuba Season. A truck driver hauling tractor trailer loaded with sports equipment stops for a beer. As he approaches the bar, he sees a big sign at the door. It says, scuba divers not allowed. Enter at your own risk. He enters and sits down. The bartender comes over to him, sniffs, and says, you smell like a scuba diver. Then he asks him what he does for a living. The truck driver explains that he drives a truck. That's just a smell from the sporting equipment, which includes some dive gear that he is hauling. The bartender serves him a beer and says, okay, truck drivers are fine. As he's sipping a beer, a guy walks in and he's wearing a wetsuit. He's got a dive reel and a dive slate. The bartender, without saying a word, pulls out a shotgun and blows the guy away. The truck driver asks him, why did he do that? The bartender replies, don't worry. Scuba divers are in season this year. It's because they're overpopulating all the boat docks. You don't even need a license. So the truck driver finishes his beer. He gets back in the truck and he heads to the freeway. Suddenly he veers to avoid an accident and the load shifts. The back door breaks open and most of his sporting goods, including the dive gear, spill out all over the road. As he jumps out, he sees a crowd forming, snatching it up. The regulators, the steel 19s, they're all getting grabbed. And he can tell by the look of these beach bums that they have to be scuba divers. He can't let him steal his whole load, so remembering what happened to the bar, he pulls out his shotgun. He starts blasting away. He shoots a couple of the scuba divers. A highway patrol car comes screeching over. The officer jumps out, and he's telling him, stop, stop. The driver says, what's wrong? I thought scuba divers were in season. He says, well, sure says the patrolman, but you can't bait him. Oh. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> in a warp sort of way. Uh, very warp sort of way. So thank you for hanging in there. <laughs> so for Jim, Matt, Claire, myself, go out there and get wet. And be safe. Absolutely. Bye-bye. And that is it. So I hit.